You're listening to an episode of the Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life podcast with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim, and welcome to the 164th episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. If you like today's episode, be sure to leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at Olver International. Today, we are transitioning topics from couples to leadership, and I'm delighted to be interviewing Lindsay Dowd. Lindsay is a top 10 coach featured on Apple News, a speaker, and has more than 25 years in sales. She's an accomplished leader, decorated seller, and has successfully managed large, diverse, high-performing sales teams. 23 of those years were spent climbing the ranks at IBM. She has devoted her career to transforming leadership as we know it through building positive culture and trust to get the best results from their teams. She's a thriving coach focused on sales, leadership, career, and culture. Lindsay also hosts a top 10% globally ranked podcast and is a frequent guest on live and recorded shows. Lindsay is a graduate of University of Colorado Boulder and has completed sales and management courses with Harvard, Duke, along with dozens of other courses throughout her career. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lindsay. Thanks for having me, Kim. It's a pleasure to be here. As a leadership coach, Lindsay, what are your thoughts on the importance of acquiring soft skills and what do you call them? Oh, well, I don't call them soft skills. They're far too important for that. So I call them power skills. Back in the day, too long ago, even just a couple of years ago, People really minimized the importance of these skills. They considered them fluffy. They considered them irrelevant or unimportant. What I've learned through my long corporate career is that they are absolutely vital to being a good leader. And in order for you to have power skills and to use them well, you learn how to build trust. You inspire your teams. You create psychological safety and an environment for innovation. It is so paramount that leaders understand that intimidation, embarrassment, belittling, aggression are no longer desired forms of leadership. They'll do the absolute opposite of building trust. And that is what I am trying to eradicate. I am so with you on that. If there's <laughs> anything I can do to help your mission, I'm there. Great. Uh, there's a lot we can all do. <laughs> Well, as a counselor, of course, soft skills are something that I find absolutely essential. And it's so important to hear people in leadership positions talking about that now. But I love the shift to power skills because I 100% agree with that. Yeah, they're so, so important. And when you break it down into just the simplest form of if a leader says, I'll give you a good example. I had a leader once who I was explaining, she was a new boss to me, but a friend. I had known her for years and it was a very, very big job. I had a huge quota, like $150 million, really difficult client with lots of strings attached. I was telling her my strategy and what I was doing. And she said, girl, I've got your back now fly. And those words were goosebump worthy then and are goosebump worthy now. But what that enabled me to do was to have confidence, to take risks, to get my team fired up and 
I inspired them to take risks and we ultimately closed a $23 million deal. We changed the relationship with this client. There was so many good things that came out of that one sentence, but we felt protected. We felt safe. We felt like if we failed, it wasn't the end, but we gave ourselves room to grow and to try new things and try new things we did. And it totally freaking worked. So I can give you plenty of examples of the alternative, but that's a really easy one that leaders need to really inspire in their teams. Give your people the space to do the jobs they were hired for. Especially if you're doing good hiring, right? You get the right <laughs> people in the right positions using their skills yeah. to better the company. And I just think that's awesome. Would you say that the opposite of trust is fear? Yeah. So when you break trust, it may not be fear, but it's disengagement. I just actually posted on LinkedIn yesterday, a story about a boss who I had introduced in a networking scenario. And I said, oh, this is my boss. We'll call him Rocco. I said, this is my boss, Rocco. And I was introducing him to a business partner I was working with. And later the business partners and the clients left the room and it was about 80 some odd people that were remained from just our company. And he said, team, I just want you to be aware of something. Don't ever introduce me as your boss. I am your manager. And he basically dressed me down without calling my name. I would never trust him again. And I thought that was such a terrible way to lead. He had so many choices of the way he could have approached me. He could have approached me quietly. He could have gone to my manager and said, hey, you know, I don't like how she does this. And it was such a small thing, but he ruined that trust and he would never get it back. And I would never do anything for him. And I would never stick my neck out for him. He wasn't my direct boss, but I did everything I could to never work with him again. So wow. it's really important. I think people underestimate how powerful trust can be. And when your teams trust you, they're willing to innovate. They're willing to try new things. And here's a scientific fact. Your people are six times more productive when they're happy. So when yeah. you build trust and you can inspire fun and joy, oh my gosh, imagine the things you can do. Wonderful. I love that. Your bio says one of the things you focus on is in coaching is culture. Mm. Can you tell us more about that? Yes. I have a saying and it's toxic culture is the symptom. Bad leadership is the disease. What bad culture stems from is leaders that don't know how to model the behavior that they want. When you break it down really simply, like we're talking preschool, like treat people the way you want to be treated. Adults forget this and they think that because I'm in a position of authority, that means I have to know everything. That means I have to be tough. That means I can't be sympathetic. And it's actually the opposite, because if you are in a new role, here's the newsflash. When you're hired for a new job, you don't know everything. You couldn't possibly know everything. And if you did, you're way overqualified. Everybody has to learn in their new role. And the fastest way to do that is to get allies. The fastest way to know everything is to find out the lay of the land, ask questions about politics, figure out what's going on in the organization and let your people jump up, raise their hand and do things to help you. And when you establish that kind of trust, and I had a leader, I adore her. Still to this day, we're very close. 
And she had promoted me for a second time in this role. And I was leading a big organization. And she looked at me and she goes, how do you want to do this? I went, what? Wait, you're asking me how I want to lead the team? What kinds of things I want to do? And she's like, of course I am, because you're smart. And I surround myself with smart people. So yeah, what do you want to do? I said, hold that thought. I'm going back to my team. I'll come back to you in 24 hours. It was a moment where I could say to my team, guys, we have an opportunity to do new things. What do you want to do? Let's think about it. Let's try new things. And we did. And we built tons of best new, new best practices. We started a call series where we were averaging four to 500 people on those calls every month. It was because we launched a storytelling program and it was software. Software is painful to sell sometimes, especially when it's really technical and hard to explain. We've figured out if we told this story, we use my mom as an example. She's a retired school teacher. I said, if I could explain this to my mom, then we're on the right track. We use that as our methodology, but that built tons of new relationships, tons of new business partners wanting to sell our stuff, extending our reach. And it all stemmed from that question of, how do you want to do this? Because I got your back. You're noticing a theme here, but <laughs> really good yeah. style, two different leaders, but similar approach and magic ensues when you do that for your people. In choice theory, we talk about how humans have five basic needs and we focus on leaders providing opportunities for people in the workplace to get those needs met. And what you're talking about meets all five of them. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, connection is one of them. Yeah. So you build that trust and connection with your leaders, with your team. And then there's freedom and power. That's exactly what these leaders handed to you. The freedom to do your thing, the power to be able yeah. to feel confident doing that. The other one is joy. And you mentioned joy in the workplace, oh, yeah. which a lot of people don't talk about. They think if you're so having important. fun, you can't possibly be working. And then of course, the base one is survival. And that comes from trust. I asked about fear because I know that when people are afraid in the workplace because they're waiting for the next shoe to drop, they can't do good work. They're so just true. scared. It's so true. And it's actually, in my mind, I mentioned disengagement, but when you break trust, it changes your mentality to, I have a career I love to, it's just a job. If I'm a leader of a company, I don't want to think my people just look at this as a job. They come in, they do their tasks and they leave. I want them to feel supported and engaged and inspired. And if I have an issue with my leadership people, I want to know about it. Everyone has an opportunity to grow. And oh, by the way, nobody is perfect. Everybody has their off days, but how you bounce back from those off days. And if you did something poorly, if you did not lead with heart and you maybe were really harsh with people on your team, own it. Say, guys, I didn't do a good job. I really screwed up. It's not how I want to talk to you all. I have to earn that trust back, but I want you to know I'm aware and I'm working on it. If somebody says that to me, I have enough compassion that I want to give them another shot. Of course. You've talked about the reason companies' culture might be poor is poor leadership. What do you think makes a healthy culture in a company? First, let's just address what culture is. People have really broadened their definition of what culture is. And culture is a lot of things, but more than anything, it's a feeling. 
this is what makes it hard to measure because when you talk about culture, it is all of the business resource groups. It is your equal opportunity. It is maternity leave. It is resources and mental health. It's a million different things. But when it comes down to it, if you were to say, how's the culture at your company? The first thing they're going to likely talk about is their feelings. How do they feel about where they are? You have to be able to make sure that you're inspiring goodness at the top. So I'm working on my book right now, and it's talking about top-down culture. Model the behavior you want to see. And here's a really great example. June is Pride Month. And it's a great opportunity for leaders to show their support for their employees. So if you hire a speaker who is explaining some concept having to do with LGBTQIA or something that people need more knowledge on, let the CEO introduce them. Let them say, hey, guys, we hired a brilliant speaker. We're so in sync with who this person is and what they stand for. And this aligns with our company values. Please listen. And if you can't listen now, there's going to be a replay. That behavior shows people that you care. It shows people that you're relatable. And being relatable is really important. You know, we hit a little bit on vulnerability, but vulnerability and authenticity is a very important leadership tenet. People are really starting to talk about it now, which is great, but not everybody knows what it means or how to do it. Talking about things you've done wrong or failures that you have, this is part of when I teach people to do an elevator pitch about themselves. The first part is their power statement. What are you passionate about? What do you stand for? Who are you? The second part of your elevator pitch is what's the worst thing that ever happened to you and how'd you come back from it? Maybe it was a health scare. Maybe you were fired. I was fired. That's part of my story. Whatever it is, talking about that growth shows you're coachable. You can learn. You can demonstrate the ability to rise above. It's really, really important. And leaders need to know how to do that. And they need to be okay with sharing it. This is my entire podcast of Stories of Resilience. Look at all the movies that are made about this very topic, people coming out of the ashes or back from the brink. It's no different for leaders. People want to root for you. They want to know you've grown. It's really great. I tell this story all the time of early in my career, I had this leader who I really liked and I was young and very enthusiastic, too much so in hindsight. I would go into her office and I would just rattle all these things off that were wrong. This needs to be fixed and this isn't working and how we do this process is so bad. She listened patiently and the second time I did it, she said, you know what, Linz, you're really astute. You have really great points, but you never bring me solutions. And I was, oh, oh my God, that's the worst. I'm the girl who bitches. This is so bad. And so I learned, okay, you can identify problems, but you have to demonstrate a solution. That's a moment of growth. I use that self-deprecating and embarrassing, but I grew from it and I learned from it. And people can relate to those stories more than I want you to do this. What I loved about that story, in addition to the point you made, is that the leader not only told you what she didn't like, but she also focused on your strength, which is your ability to pick those things out. That's great. And then maybe encouraged you to share what you might find as a solution as well. That's good leadership. It's great leadership. 
If you're working with a leader who maybe is struggling with building trust with their team, in addition to this vulnerability and resilience, what would you recommend they do? So the first thing every leader needs to do is to have regular check-ins with their people. I call it inverted management. What you're basically doing is saying, how can I be the best manager for you? That is a humbling question. It means you don't know everything and you're making yourself vulnerable. But what happens is the answers you're going to get across your team are going to vary wildly. They're going to be different based on age, tenure, goals, experience, all of those things. You might hear, I just need a coach. I need someone to role play with or get the hell out of my way. I just need you as an escalation point. Or I don't really understand my job. I need more training. But when you have that information, you're in a position to advocate for your people, which is your job. So by knowing who they are, by taking the time to get to know them personally, ask them, who's your partner? Do you have a partner? Do you have a pet? What kind of food do you like? Do you like to travel? What's your favorite color? Whatever. Please write down the answers because the next time you go back, if you don't remember that person's partner's name, shame on you. You missed a really good opportunity to build trust. Being able to engage on a personal level is very important as a leader. Now, if you've been struggling and if you've made some of the mistakes I highlighted before, all is not lost. Own it. I'm trying. I'm doing better. I hired a coach and I'm going to be your best leader you've ever had, but it's going to take time. And I hope you bear with me. Anybody that comes from that place is leading with heart. And that is something that people are hungry for. You find that when you talk to leaders about being vulnerable, that there is the person who might go around for years and years and years saying, oh, I screwed up. I'm sorry, my bad. But they don't make any improvements. Well, Uh, the people that don't make any improvements aren't saying that. The people that don't make any improvements are the ones that are going, I've been doing it this way for 20 years. uh, right. And they've never hired a coach. And they don't understand that the world has evolved around them. And it's time that they sharpen the saw. It's time that they recognize, okay, maybe I need to think about doing things differently. I love that. Can we transition just a bit to something you mentioned when I met you? And that was that branding is something that you do. I have been branded and I'm wondering what you would say about why anyone should care about personal branding And how is that relevant to their personal success or career success? This is a topic I love because in the corporate world, branding is a product. Branding is a sneaker. Branding is a consumer product or something, your company name. It's not your personal brand. But what people need to understand is that your personal brand is how you show up in the world. I teach a workshop. There's going to be one coming up next month. I basically am taking anybody that has had LinkedIn for some period of time, knows they need to do something with it, but don't know where to start. The beauty of this is I teach people to define their greatness beyond their job role. Anybody that just says account executive or vice president of business development, those are good things, but you're so much more than that. What do you stand for? What's important to you? And here's the truth. There is no such thing as job security anymore. We just saw that with the great layoff of 2023. You have to build career security. You have to hone your voice. You have to let people know what you stand for. You never know when your job will disappear 
So you have to be able to say, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. This is what I'm passionate about. And the reality is nothing is in stone. You can change it all the time. I change mine all the time. Well, not all the time, but I do change it. It's important for people to understand that you have to stand for something. If you don't stand for anything, we just can't hear you. An easy way for people to start is just by engaging. You don't have to be a content creator, but if you follow a specific hashtag, look at what people are typing on that hashtag and go out and comment. The more you comment, the more your audience will grow and you will be seen as an expert on that topic. It's a very easy way to get started without jumping in whole hog and saying, I'm going to do this video thing now. Video isn't for everybody, but anybody can comment on articles that are written. I highlight articles for people I don't know all the time because I think it's a brilliant article and people need to see it. I recently shared an article about working from home and what this is all about and why it serves the pale male and stale white men so well, and it doesn't serve women and it doesn't serve moms that well. And I just thought the article was really well written. That thing was shared more than 70 times. It was incredible by people I didn't know. So your reach can really extend and you don't have to be a giant content creator to start, but you do need to stand for something. And oh, if you're worried, well, if I get engaged on LinkedIn, my company's going to think I'm looking. No, say I've been attending classes and actually I understand the value of LinkedIn. I want to make myself stand out and this is good for our business. This is good for how our clients see me because guess what? As soon as they get my name, they look me up. So I want to show that I stand for something. That's how I answer that one. I really like that. I've heard that expression. When you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people want to be all things to all people. So right. they're worried about, oh, if I say that, then this group won't like me. Or if ah, I say this, the then niche. that group won't like me. <laughs> and you try to be this chameleon and get everybody to like you, but that's just not going to happen. Let's so, talk about that because that's the okay. niche. Sometimes you might hear people say you need to niche down. And this was something I struggled with when I started my company. And I was like, wait, but I focus on sales culture, but I really focus on company culture. And I got some sage advice that said, Lynn's sales is the hardest. Continue to focus on sales culture. Everybody else is going to say it's relevant to me too, because you know what it is. But if you niche specifically on that, you're going to hit the people you need, but you have to figure out who is your audience? Who are you talking to? Who are the people that are going to buy from you? That's the piece that you really need to remember, because if you're just talking to everyone, nobody knows what you stand for. It's true. And then you're really a wild card and people don't trust you. Yeah. You just won't be seen as an expert. Okay. Well, thank you for that. If you were to give us three things that you think make a great leader, what would you say? Humor, vulnerability, and heart. If you come from that place, you can't go wrong. You will be able to inspire joy, inspire greatness. Richard Branson does this better than anybody. He says, if I take care of my people, they take care of their clients. That simple. It's very interesting when I work with all these investment banks that are building lots and lots of companies, the innovators and the disruptors are not always the best people leaders. They're very concerned with their product or their solution and growth, rapid, rapid growth. 
And in a climate of rapid growth, people can get steamrolled, they can get burnt out. And when you lose those people that have been with you from the beginning, that's very expensive. And it's very costly from an IP perspective. It's very hard to bring someone in when you're in that rapid growth mode. So reminding them to lead with heart or teaching them because they likely have never been taught. It's so, so important that they get that because that will change the way their people respond to them. It will change what they're willing to do to make the company successful. That's so fascinating. And I'm wondering if you find that leading with heart and even vulnerability are phrases that resonate with women and maybe marginalized groups, but don't necessarily resonate with the leaders of yesteryear. Is that accurate or no? 100%. It is. And I think people have this perception that if you are talking about culture, it's rainbows and unicorns and soft skills like we were talking about at the beginning, but it is so much more powerful than that. When you can create an environment that people have psychological safety I don't care what color you are, where you came from, your age, you're going to blossom. You are going to thrive. That is not to be taken lightly. People have underestimated the importance of soft skills. I had a boss who ultimately fired me and she said to me, she goes, why do you care that people like you? And I was like, I'm leading an organization. There's a reason that 25 people show up to my five person team calls. People feel safe. They feel like they can talk. They feel like they can share and they're looking for someone to protect them because they don't feel it from you. That inspires everybody, not just women and people of color, or marginalized groups. It's a leadership tenet. I'm really trying to impress upon all the leaders that they need to embrace. It is very out of the norm for the traditional pale male and stale hierarchy that have been doing this way for 30 years. It's uncomfortable for them, but the reality is it's just human. It's just word choice. It's behavior. Everything I teach Kim is easy. Nothing I teach is ripping a house down to the studs. It is taking what you do well. Let's magnify that but let's work on some of these tarnished areas that just need a shine because everyone is capable of this. You just have to remember if you've ever had a great leader, what made them great? And if you haven't, how would you like to be led? It's that simple. And if you can break it down that way and you still don't know what it looks like, call me, I'll help you. <laughs> Excellent. So we're running out of time. I hate that. I could talk to you for at least another hour, but I'm wondering if there's anything you'd like to add that we haven't already talked about. Like I just said, this is not out of reach for anybody. I think this is an attainable, necessary, very relevant topic. I have lots and lots of resources. I put out a lot of content. I'm super happy to engage with folks. If people want to engage with me on LinkedIn, I am thrilled to do it. I'm very active there. I always have workshops coming up. So take a look at my website and watch my LinkedIn space, but I'm on all the socials. So certainly happy to engage with folks. But my mission in life is to modernize leadership as we know it and eradicate toxic culture. And it's not easy and we need a lot of help. So anybody that's on board, let me know. I'll be a soldier for that <laughs> cause any day. How can people reach you? I know you mentioned LinkedIn, but what is your website? It's really easy. It's heartbeatforhire.com. And all my information's there. You can connect with all my socials there too. 
heartbeat for hire. I love that. <laughs> I really appreciate you joining us today, Lindsay, and thank you so much for your words of wisdom. Oh, thanks for having me, Kim. It was a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and remember to leave a review and share with your connections on social media. I also hope you'll join me next week when I'll be interviewing Jamie Butler. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at lifeequalschoices.com or listen wherever you download your podcast. And don't forget, remember to subscribe.